You're listening to ReachMD. This medical industry feature is titled Guideline-Directed Medical Therapy for the Management of Heart Failure. Here's your guest, Dr. Stephen Green. Welcome, everyone, and thank you for listening today to the fifth podcast in our heart failure series. My name is Dr. Stephen Green, and I am a heart failure cardiologist at Duke University in Durham, North Carolina. Last time, you heard my colleague, Dr. Pam Kushner, discuss how heart failure is diagnosed. Today, we will discuss the 2022 American Heart Association, American College of Cardiology, and Heart Failure Society of America Joint Guideline for the Management of Heart Failure. This podcast is supported by and made on behalf of Boehringer Ingelheim Pharmaceuticals Incorporated and Lilly USA LLC. Content discussed during this podcast has been reviewed for consistency with FDA guidelines and is not approved for continuing medical education credit. The 2022 guideline provides recommendations for medical therapy based on contemporary evidence for the treatment of patients with heart failure. For patients in stage A, meaning they're at risk for developing heart failure, specific recommendations are outlined to prevent progression to pre-heart failure or stage B. We will highlight a few of these specific recommendations here. In patients with hypertension, for example, blood pressure should be controlled to prevent symptomatic heart failure. In patients with type 2 diabetes and established cardiovascular disease or at high risk for cardiovascular disease, sodium glucose cotransporter 2 or SGLT2 inhibitors should be used to reduce hospitalizations for heart failure. In patients with cardiovascular disease, their condition should be optimally managed. Those with a first-degree relative with genetic cardiomyopathies should receive genetic screening and counseling. In patients at risk for developing heart failure, such as those with diabetes, natriuretic peptide biomarker-based screening, followed by team-based care, can be useful to prevent the development of left ventricular dysfunction or new onset of heart failure. Finally, validated multivariate risk scores can be useful in this population to estimate subsequent risk of heart failure. For patients in stage B or pre-heart failure, recommendations are given to prevent the syndrome of clinical heart failure. As a reminder, stage B is those patients who are asymptomatic without current or previous signs of clinical heart failure, but have either structural heart disease, evidence of increased filling pressures, or elevated biomarkers such as an elevated natriuretic peptide concentration. For patients with a left ventricular ejection fraction less than or equal to 40%, an angiotensin-converting enzyme inhibitor, or ACE inhibitor, and a beta blocker should be administered to prevent symptomatic heart failure. In patients with a recent myocardial infarction and a left ventricular ejection fraction of less than or equal to 40%, an angiotensin receptor blocker should be given if the person is intolerant to ACE inhibitors. An implantable cardioverter defibrillator is recommended for primary prevention of sudden cardiac death in patients who have reached at least 40 days after a myocardial infarction, have a left ventricular ejection fraction of less than or equal to 30%, and who have New York Heart Association class one symptoms and a reasonable expectation of survival for more than one year. Finally, the guidelines highlight a couple specific medications we need to avoid in our patients with stage B heart failure. Specifically for patients with ejection fraction 50% or less, use of thiazolidine dione's or non-dihydropyridine calcium channel blockers may be harmful. In general, lifestyle modifications, including regular exercise, healthy dietary patterns, and avoiding smoking, 
along with management strategies, are helpful to reduce the risk of heart failure in patients at stage A or stage B. Let's now quickly review the major types of symptomatic or stage C heart failure. There are three major types defined by ejection fraction, and the treatment recommendations differ for each type. This includes first, heart failure with reduced ejection fraction, defined by ejection fraction of 40% or less. Second, heart failure with a mildly reduced ejection fraction, defined by ejection fraction 41 to 49%. And lastly, heart failure with preserved ejection fraction, defined by ejection fraction 50% or greater. Starting with heart failure with reduced ejection fraction, the guidelines give strong class one recommendations for four different classes of medication. These are often called the four pillars. SGLT2 inhibitors should be used regardless of the presence of comorbid type two diabetes. Other classes of medications include angiotensin receptor nitrolysin inhibitor, beta blocker, and mineral corticoid receptor antagonist. Each of these classes of medications are proven to improve survival and reduce risk of heart failure hospitalization. And the benefits of each individual medication are additive and appear within days to weeks of medication initiation. Thus, the guidelines recommend that eligible patients receive all four medications and that we should initiate the medications without delay or even simultaneously. Now let us review the guidelines for patients with heart failure with mildly reduced or preserved ejection fraction. The medication recommendations in the guidelines for these two types of heart failure have many similarities. In both cases, use of an SGLT2 inhibitor can be beneficial in patients with heart failure with mildly reduced or preserved ejection fraction. Other recommendations include angiotensin receptor nitrolysin inhibitor, angiotensin receptor blocker, and mineral corticoid receptor antagonist therapy can all be considered, particularly among patients with ejection fraction on the lower end of the preserved ejection fraction spectrum. Thank you all for joining me today. To conclude, the 2022 American Heart Association, American College of Cardiology, and Heart Failure Society of America joint guideline for the management of heart failure is a patient-centered, evidence-based approach to treating patients with heart failure. This guideline is instrumental in effectively treating patients with heart failure and should be followed closely to improve quality of care and maximally improve the outcomes for our patients. I hope you'll join my colleague, Dr. Pam Kushner, for the next and final chapter in our Heart Failure podcast series as she discusses the cardio-renal metabolic continuum and comorbidities associated with heart failure. This program is part of a six-part series supported by and created on behalf of Boehringer Ingelheim Pharmaceuticals Incorporated and Lilly USA LLC. If you missed any part of this discussion, and would like to access the other episodes in this series, visit ReachMD.com slash industry feature. This is ReachMD. Be part of the knowledge.